With the Jayhawks riding a two-game winning streak, it's time to wrap our arms around an uncomfortable question. Is Kansas good at football? Or, at the very least, are they good enough to save David Beatty's job? It's September 18th. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. Kansas is 2-1 somehow after losing to Nichols State in Week 1. The Jayhawks are on a two-game winning streak, going for three in a row, potentially, this weekend at Baylor. Joining us now to explain how this happened, hopefully, is uh, Kevin Flaherty, who is a National College basketball writer for 24-7 Sports and a Jayhawk. Kevin, so first things first, what have there been changes in the team that have made them better, or what's going on here? Well, I, I think the change that most people would point out is that Puka Williams has played the last two weeks uh, at running back. He was the uh, the star edition, a, a four star in the in the twenty four seven sports composite, and uh, didn't play in week one against Nickel State, a game that Kansas probably should have won. You know, Kansas led that game with about two minutes left to go, uh, and it wound up going into overtime, and, and the Jayhawks lost that game in overtime, but. Williams came out the very next week and ran for over 100 yards against Central Michigan and then did the same thing against Rutgers. And uh, he's really a terrific story and an explosive kid. And the reason I say he's a terrific story is he's missing half of his left foot. Uh, he had a lawnmower accident, I believe, when he was seven that uh, that cost him all of his toes on his left foot. And so he wears uh, prosthetic toes uh, on that side, but uh, one of our uh, recruiting analysts at 24-7, uh, Gabe Brooks, said that he was one of the fastest kids that he saw a year ago with, with the ball under his arm, and, and that's certainly proven to be true in Lawrence. And, and I think the other thing when you look at it was last year, the entire team, the entire season, forced nine turnovers, and, and that's just that's a horrible, horrible number. I mean, you should be able to trip over your own feet and forced double-digit turnovers over the course of a college football season. Uh, but they forced nine all of last year, and in their two wins against Central Michigan and Rutgers, Kansas forced a combined 12 turnovers. And so anytime you're forcing six turnovers a game, you're, you're probably going to win those football games. And so the combination of, uh, of that along with uh, along with Puka Williams playing now, I, I think really has uh, has Kansas trending uh, positively, I think, for the first time in a long time. So, I mean, these wins are not just wins. They're pretty convincing wins. 31-7 uh, to against Central Michigan and then 55-14 to against Rutgers. And, yes, those uh, programs aren't exactly at the, you know, top 50 even programs. But, I mean, the, still to beat anybody by that much and to do it two weeks in a row – denote some level of, of 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 being a good football team so i mean what what are the ex are those just two wins that kansas fans are happy to have or is there some feeling that they could kick on here and have a decent season and maybe even dare to hope for bowl eligibility i think bowl eligibility is seen as a little bit of a stretch and i think that most optimistic Kansas fans went into the season feeling like the Jayhawks had a chance to go two and one through those non-conference games. Uh, that's kind of where I thought they would be. I thought it would be a different two and one. I thought they would beat nickel state at home, uh, lose to central Michigan on the road and then beat Rutgers at home. Uh, because in part, because Kansas hadn't won a road game since 2009, uh, against UTEP in the non-conference. And so, 
with that kind of record on the road, it makes it very, very difficult to uh, to predict that they're ever going to win a road game again. But that's exactly what they did. And so I think that there is some optimism. I think people aren't sitting here saying at this point, hey, you know, Kansas has its two wins for the season. They're going to go two and ten. Uh, but I think that, you know, even maybe some of the more optimistic people would say, you know, looking at it, there's maybe a chance they could go and, and beat Baylor this weekend in Waco. That would be another road win, and it would be surprising from that perspective. And, and Baylor opened as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. But maybe there's a chance there for Kansas to get multiple Big 12 wins for the first time in, in quite a while. And uh, and if they do that, if they wind up going, say, four and eight this season, you know, most people would uh, – would say, oh wow, that's that's a terrible season, but it might just be enough to uh, to get David Beatty another year in Lawrence. Well, yeah, there you go. That's my next question. I mean, after the Nickel State loss, and we people were ready to sign sign David Beatty's death certificate at, at the first opportunity, and then they got that opportunity in Week One. Has he saved his job for now, or is there is there still? Do you think that's something that'll come up for evaluation at the end of the season? I think it's still wait and see, uh, especially with the new athletic director. You know, the the thought line, and it's not always true, but the thought line is usually that an athletic director likes to get a coach in that uh, that he picked, especially since, you know, that position typically determines an athletic director's job security himself. And, And Kansas did something a little bit different, too, and that they brought in a guy from IMG, you know, the the hugely successful, uh, I don't even think you can call it a high school, really. Um, they brought in a guy from IMG to basically oversee football on a day-to-day basis. And so they have a, a guy whose specific job is to monitor the job that, that David Beatty and that staff are doing. And so with all of that in mind, I, I think – it's impossible to say now that that he saved his job. You know, maybe he's gotten a little bit of a stay of execution, but it's really going to come down to what he does in conference season. And it's not necessarily going to be the win total. He does need to win more than two games, I would say. But at the same time, I think that if Kansas shows that it is much improved, if they compete better, you know, are in more games this year, you know, those are all things that that could factor into whether or not they get another year. And the other thing, you know, we're talking about all the all the on field stuff, but obviously, you know, Connor recruiting is is such a huge part of what we do. Kansas only has two commitments right now. And so how that recruiting class pans out, whether or not they're able to fill that out over the upcoming weeks, that's probably going to say quite a bit about whether or not he's retained as well. All right, Kevin Flaherty is a National College basketball writer for 24-7 Sports. You can find him on Twitter at kflaherty247. Thanks, Kevin. All right, thanks a lot, Connor. Urban Meyer doesn't believe Courtney Smith. He didn't believe her in 2009. He didn't believe her in 2015. He doesn't believe her now, even after he's been suspended three games and suffered immeasurable damage to his reputation as a result of how he handled Smith's claims against her husband. If there was still any doubt as to whether he didn't believe her, that was put to bed on Monday after the following line of questioning at Meyer's first press conference since returning to his full-time post as Buckeye's football coach. Reporter, do you believe Courtney Smith was ever a victim of domestic violence? Meyer, I can only rely on what information I received from experts. 
Implicit in this answer is that Courtney Smith is not, in Meyer's eyes, an expert on whether she was a victim of domestic violence. We know this because Meyer keeps saying that if he ever thought Zach Smith was abusing his wife, he would have been fired immediately. Well, Meyer twice received information to indicate that Courtney Smith felt endangered by her husband and twice did nothing. To Meyer, the only reliable indicator as to whether Courtney Smith was the victim of domestic violence is whether Zach Smith was prosecuted for domestic violence. It's hard to understand how Meyer is still clinging to this mistaken notion, even after his failure to report Smith's allegations was the crux of Ohio State's explanation for why it suspended him. How, I wonder, does the Board of Trustees and School President Michael Drake feel about the fact that Meyer seems to have missed the biggest intended lesson of their punishment? Meyer was defiant throughout the hour-long press conference on Monday, insisting that his, quote, apology is not for turning a blind eye toward domestic violence. The only thing he's sorry for is, quote, going too far in helping a troubled employee and, quote, the perception that he doesn't care about domestic violence. When Urban Meyer was suspended, missing three games of the season seemed both tough and fair to me. I thought it would ensure that one of the legends of the sport would be taught a costly public lesson about how to handle allegations of domestic abuse. I dared to hope that, in response, Meyer would double down on his stated core value of treating women with respect and that, as a result of his experiences, no locker room in the country would be better suited to take that core value seriously. Then, his players would go on to become coaches themselves and teach that message to their staff and their players. And, unlike Zach Smith, who appears to have missed the message when Meyer coached him at Bowling Green, apply that to their own lives. And in this way, teaching Urban Meyer, instead of firing him, would have a much more lasting positive impact. But it's clear now that my optimism was merely naivete. How can a person who doesn't believe victims, or at least take their claims seriously enough to report them to the appropriate school authorities, credibly impart a message of respecting women to his players? How can we hope that Meyer will even be able to lead by example when he looks back on this saga and concludes that his only mistakes were misspeaking at media days and caring too much about a troubled employee? Urban Meyer seems wholly uninterested in introspection or learning from his mistakes. He's made it abundantly clear that the only thing he cares about is correcting the perception that he turned a blind eye toward domestic violence, not learning from an instance in which he so obviously did. And for the hundred-odd players in his charge, the dozens of men on his staff, and the women they'll encounter during their lifetimes, that's a harrowing prospect to consider. A written version of this column originally appeared on 247sports.com. The Morning Blitz is a daily podcast, so we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning with the biggest college football stories of the day wrapped up in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. You can subscribe to The Morning Blitz on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.